Hey everybody, I know it's been a minute since I last recorded, but welcome to the Young Adult Audio Podcast. I am reading from the novel The Immortal Mage Chronicles by the author Maria Grant. I don't know if it's because of this podcast or what, but it's gotten a lot of hits on e-kindle and a lot of books have been bought on amazon um so if you guys do want to support the author please go to amazon it's also on goodreads um there's an e-kindle which is free um and then there is the hard copy for ten dollars it's called the immortal mage chronicles it's the only one up there so you guys can't miss it um as promised, I will be doing a recap um, of chapters 1 through 9. So, this is a school for mages. Um, it's the setting that has taken place. Um, the main character, her name is Kalissa, and she grew up with her grandmother because her biological mother was abusive. So she grew up with her grandmother. Her grandmother has gotten sick suddenly and sent Calissa away to school, her mother's school, to learn, to grow, to kind of protect her. So a lot of stuff has happened in chapters one through nine. And Calissa, everyone at the school, you have to test on a stone to see what your color placement is. So you have pink, which means you pretty much have no magic. Then you have the color maroon, which means you're pretty much basic level magic. Um, and then after maroon, is there's yellow, um, orange, brown, gray, double gray. If you're gray or double gray, it means you're an immortal. So this book really kind of is starting to really get into immortals, which are pretty much extremely strong mages who absorb energy directly from the earth and they have so much energy and so much magic that they have to wear what they call limiters which are just items spelled to draw some of their power away it weakens them so that they're not exuding like some strong forces of magic so immortals are just extremely extremely uh powerful mages and they are gray, double gray um, colors. If you're a double gray, you'll shatter the stone. So that's where we are now. Calissa did a test. She's a maroon. Um, her mother is extremely angry about this. Thanks, Calissa's a failure for being so weak. Um, she meets a set of friends, her first ever friends. So Zinc is kind of like her best friend at the moment. She goes to him for everything. Um, he gets visions. He's a really nice guy. Uh, Leo's her boyfriend now. He's also a really sweet guy. Um, there's Abigail, who's her nemesis, but Abigail's really just jealous because she's been in love with Leo since they were 13 years old. Um, there's some other characters, Trevor, Chase, um, Abigail. Yeah, I already mentioned Abigail. Safrina. So those are the main characters of this novel. And... There's been students that have been going missing. One student actually ended up dead on the courtyard of the school. So then now there's detectives everywhere. Um, a kind of suspicious older guy 
Bradley has been hanging around Calissa. She just learned that she and Bradley are actually tied together because they're bond mates or life partners, which is typical in our mortal. But, you know, Calissa, she's only in Maroon, so she can't be in the mortal, right? So that's where we are right now. So suspicious people hanging around like Bradley. Um, a guy named Porter who also gets visions. Zinc really doesn't trust that guy. He says that he's asked too many questions. So we have two suspicious people. We have a murdered student. We have a lot of other students going missing. Calissa hears voices saying that they're coming for her. She doesn't really know why they're coming for her because she's just a maroon. So a lot of stuff is going on and, we're, and Trevor is now missing. Um, so students are going missing in order by their ranking systems. So Trevor's now missing and Calissa just did a spell to see if she can track him. And that's where we are right now. Um, so please go ahead and enjoy. This is chapter 10. I feel okay. So tell it to me again. Larson says from the front seat. Calissa puffs out a sigh while Leo looks to her in anticipation. Honestly, he's just as curious as Larson. I already told you. Calissa sounds annoyed. I did a tracker spell and now I see a red string directing me to where Trevor is. I get that. Larson grips the steering wheel. However, we've tried tracker spells. Nothing worked. How were you able to break through their veil? Calissa doesn't respond. Instead, she starts messing with her rings. Larson drops it. Turn left up here. Calissa points and Larson does his toe. Leo looks with wide eyes as they turn in an abandoned part of town. So hidden, Leo didn't even know this place existed, and he's lived here his entire life. Nothing but old cars, dirt roads, and old buildings that look like they've been abandoned factories. Larson gets out first. There's a lot to look at, and Leo doesn't know where to even begin. There are two more officers that come up in a backup car. They pal out, guns raised as they bend low and start slowly walking around. Third building on the right, Calissa tells Larson from the window of the car. The string ends there. Larson looks to her nods and then gestures for her to put her head back in the car she sits beside leo and to his surprise she places her head on his shoulder that must have taken a lot of out of you leo whispers into her hair she nods and leo watches from afar larson signals for his men to be quiet as they creep up into the building Upon reaching the door, Larson balls up his fist to signal his men to stop. They do. There's a loud bang, a bright flash, and Leo covers his eyes and uses his body as a shield to hover over Calissa. The noise stops, and Leo slowly unpeels himself from Calissa and blinks. There's smoke everywhere, so he can't really see anything. What was that? Calissa rubs the back of her neck. 
I wish I knew, Leo responds distractedly. While Calissa and Leo are in the car, trying to see through the smoke screen filling up the area, Trevor is sat on a cold concrete floor. There's a blindfold over his eyes, limiter cuffs on his wrist, and his shirt is missing. Larson stands firm as he and his men hunch low, slowly creeping in further. Fan out and search this place, Larson tells his men. They scatter, starting to look room by room and floor by floor. Luckily, there's only three floors. Jesus, kid. Larson bends down and takes the blindfold off. Trevor's green eyes look dull, lifeless. The kid isn't even responding, just closes his eyes and leans his head over. Larson checks for a pulse. It's faint, but there's one there. Trevor's body is cold to the touch, and Larson immediately starts checking the torso for any puncture marks. He sees none. He calls for an ambulance. Just as he's picking up Trevor, his men come back, one of them carrying another body. We found that Imani girl, one of the Larson's men states. Yeah, unconscious, but strong pulse, another man states. Larson's heart feels just a little bit lighter at the news. Two students. Two students were found alive. Two. Let's get them to safety. Then come back to this place with a group of men. Larson's tell the officers, we need another ambulance. There's no way he could get a warrant for this by regular police. With mages being involved, it has to stay quiet, doing things in the shadow. It makes his job harder, but at the end of the day, this is what he signed up for. He will protect the mage world to the best of his abilities. Walking out with the students, Calissa and Leo are quick to jump out of the car. Leo feels like crying when he sees Trevor alive. He wants to reach out and touch his friend, but he decides not to. He doesn't want to disturb anything. Trevor. Leo's hand hovers over his friend's blonde hair. He'll be okay now, Leo promises. And his friend doesn't respond, and Leo takes a step away. Calissa is there to hold on to him. She presses her face in Leo's back, and they stay that way until the ambulances arrive. Two mages jump out of each ambulance and quickly place the teens in the respectable vehicles. Larson gets in his car and trails after the ambulances as they speed back to the school's fully staffed medical wing. Everything goes in fast motion from this point. It's a true whirlwind. Doctors are rushing to the students, getting them on beds. Onlookers are taking pictures and whispering about. Nurses are pulling out IV bags. Majors are breaking the limiters on Trevor. And Calissa and Leo, well, they're just standing out of the way. You two did a good job. Larson walks up to Calissa and Leo. I'll call you when he wakes up. No need. We'll be here, Leo tells the man with conviction. Okay, then. Larson walks away, and Leo texts the others as he sits in a chair beside Calissa. I have to ask, Leo whispers. How did you do such a powerful spell? It's just me here. You can tell me. 
Calissa looks like she wants to remain quiet on the subject. You know you can trust me, judgment-free. I... Calissa shuts her mouth and Leo sighs. I did a blood spell. Leo's glad he doesn't have anything in his mouth or else he would have spit it out or choked. His first reaction is to yell, what the hell is wrong with you? But he doesn't. He said he wouldn't judge and if he handles this well, she might be more open to telling him the truth in the future. That's some powerful magic. Dangerous, Leo settles on saying. You didn't hurt yourself, right? You don't feel weird? Blood spells are taboo for a reason. When you sacrifice your own blood to enhance a spell, you plead to Goddess Earth to grant you power in exchange for your own blood. When this happens, your body is in a state of stasis for a brief moment that leaves you exposed for anything to intervene. Some have been known to be possessed during this time. Others have stated that they now crave the power enhancement and use blood sacrifice often. It's dangerous. Addictive. The only ones who practice blood sacrifices faithfully are druids. Who are taboo as well. Yeah, I feel okay, Kalitza responds. Honestly, I did it because I knew we needed a boost to be able to find him. I wanted to help find him any way possible. It was worth it. Leo runs the hands through his hair before putting his hands through her hair and pulling her to his shoulder. Just let me know. If you're not okay, she nods, but doesn't say anything else in response. The two remain silent until the other show up. They wait three hours before Imani wakes up. Her memory of the whole ordeal had been erased by a spell. Her parents and friends are there to ask a million questions and surround her with love. But it takes another 20 hours before Trevor wakes up. He is surrounded by his friends and his parents as well who have been called. Trevor wakes up slow. It starts with the twitching of his fingers, then the moving of his eyebrows. Finally, Trevor opens his eyes altogether. His eyes kind of roll around for a solid minute before they focus. He sees his parents first and smiles, not trusting his voice to say anything considering how dry it feels. He grabs at his throat. You need water? His mother, Patricia Cannon, kisses his cheek before going over to the pink pitcher and pouring water in a cup. She grabs a straw and places it in her son's mouth. Small sips, my dear. Small, she urges. He does as he is told until all the beverage is gone. How you feeling, son? Marcus Cannon sits on the edge of his son's bed. The truth is, Trevor doesn't know how he feels. Everything is just numb. <clears throat> numb, he admits. No pain, though? His father wants to make sure. None. Leo shakes his head. Okay, good. Marcus Cannon pats his son's leg on the, on the leg twice. The other girl, Iman. The other girl, Imani, was found as well. That's good. Trevor breathes a sigh of relief. However... 
Marcus Cannon continues. Her memory had been erased. Was yours? Trevor frowns as he tries to recall his last memories. He was in the car, and then nothing. I can't. Trevor feels like he's going into distress over here. What happened to him? How were they able to capture him and do a mind erasing spell? What did he endure? He hears the machines beeping, increasing, and he knows his boss is raising, raising as well. What is going on in here? A nurse enters the room and moves everyone away from Trevor. Shoo, shoo, he's rest. Please leave if you are going to cause his heart rate to increase. Sorry. Marcus Cannon mumbles, we'll be good. He lets the nurse know. Hey, come on guys, give them some space, Leo suggests. And this all this and the students all leave in order for Trevor to be with his parents in peace. <clears throat> hey, Abigail steps up to Calissa once they're outside. I still don't like you, and I really don't trust you. But thanks for finding Trevor or whatever. Abigail sniffs and then walks off, Lierre right beside her. Can you even count that as a thank you? Calissa asks Leo, hands on hips. Hey, that's more of an apology than I got out of her, Chase stretches, and that's after she once put hair dye in my shampoo, thinking it was Zinc's. Prank war gone bad. Zinc shakes his head as he answers Calissa's unasked question. Abigail was making fun of the fact I was taking a life skills class, so I stole her bras and made a quilt out of them. In return, she put pepper in my underwear, completely burned my balls, so I put nair in her soap, and she was bald. In retaliation, she put hair dye in my shampoo. Chase points to himself. Zinc. And I had room together back then, so she just assumed it was awful. My hair was pink. Ah, but you made a really cute pink hair boy, Leah laughs. I think you're all idiots, Safrina comments. But Leo is right. It was cute. Chase pouts and kicks at the ground. Just for that, I'm going back in there to wait for Trevor to wake back up. Chase gives them all his middle fingers as he leaves back into back into the room. Uh, was that supposed to like scare us or something? <laughs> Calissa laughs. Well, <clears throat> I should get started on my science project. Sofrina stretches as she pulls out her phone. Please text me when he can have company. Yeah, we'll do. Zinc responds. Hey, Zinc. Do you think I can talk with you? Calissa beckons her finger for him to come closer. I'll meet you in your room later, Leo. Okay? She walks over and kisses him on quick on the lips before pulling away with a shy smile. Leo wants to be jealous or asks why the secrets see, but he trusts her and lets her go. As Calissa and Zink walk around the side courtyard, they settle on a nearby bench. Calissa hugs her knees to her chest and rests her cheeks on them. Zink leans back and faces towards the sun, allowing the glow to warm him. I perform a blood spell to find Trevor. Calissa just blurts out, I told Leo and 
He seemed to take it well, but I can tell he's worried about me. Zink tries not to look as surprised as he feels. He's always thought that Calissa was stronger than she let on, or knew. But how much stronger? It, uh... It takes a powerful mage to perform a blood spell perfectly, especially without any harmful side effects. Zink looks to her. You did all of that and broke through a concealment spell like it was nothing? Bradley thinks I'm someone I'm not. Calissa looks like she's frustrated, in distress even. He seems pretty convinced that he knows me somehow or something about me. It makes no sense. In the visions you've had, why would whomever be after me, even if I can perform a blood spell perfectly? Maybe you're stronger than you think. Zink gauges Calissa's reactions. There are tears in her eyes, unshed. My mother used to beat me because she said I wasn't powerful enough. Calissa wipes at her face. I was the wrong color status. I would love nothing more than to be the right color status. Zink pauses and looks down. Your grandmother has you hiding something, Zink tells her. I thought it was the thing about your dad, but you said no one in your family knows he's alive. She doesn't know about the voice. So what else could she want you to hide that will cause you to be so lonely all the time? Stop, Calissa whispers. Zink knows now. His suspicions are confirmed in his mind, but it's okay. It'll all be okay. He reaches out and grabs her hand. I think I know what your secret is, but I don't care. Zink reassures. You don't have to hide and be so alone anymore. I won't tell. Calissa nods once. Thank you. Calissa croaks out. She takes a few deep breaths. <sighs> I talked to my father like you suggested. He kind of freaked out on me, then hung up. It was so weird. Yeah, strange behavior. Zink agrees. I want you to talk with him on video chat, Calissa urges. Maybe if you talk with him and think about him, you can get a vision of him or something. Zink nods, quickly agreeing. If Calissa's father is involved, then Zink wants to take down the person responsible for harming his friend and killing another student. Can you get him on the phone now? Zink points to her phone. Yeah, sure. Calissa starts a video conference and listens to the beeping before her father picks up, accepting the chat. Hey, Dad. Calissa waves with her free hand. Hey. The man sounds tired. I'm sorry for how I treated you last time we talked. Yeah, you were very rude, Calissa agrees. Just freaked out and hung up on me. Yeah, I know. The man sighs. <sighs> Having people know about me is still weird. Especially your seer friend. Kind of feels like an intrusion to know someone can see bits of my life without my approval. It's not like he can help it. Calissa argues. What's his name again? Orpheus questions. Your seer friend that gets vision so easily. Zink gets in to get view of the camera. My name is Zink. Hmm. Orpheus levels his eyes. So you're with my daughter again. That's right. Zink nods. I'm her friend. 
I've seen your face and I know who you really are, but guess what? I don't care. As long as you don't do anything to try and hurt or betray her, then your secret is safe with me. Zink can already tell Orphis isn't pleased with this. Zink tries to think about Orphis, tries to get the thought into his mind to think about seeing if Orphis is trying to portray, portray his, betray his daughter in any way. He thinks hard as the two men make eye contact. He gets a vision. Hey, Orphis, where are you going? A strange woman's voice calls out. The voice sounds young, and Orphis's back is walking away from it. To get my daughter, Orphis states firmly. The coven needs her. She's the last missing piece to all of this. You're willing to sacrifice your daughter for that damn coven? The young woman shrieks. Does your family even know who you really are? Do they know where you really came from? Shut up, Orphis shouts. And Zink gets rocked out of the vision. I'm trying to save her life. Stay out of my head, Orphis rages. Zink blinks and stares blankly at the phone. He's had it all wrong. I thought you were the ones behind the kidnappings, Zink admits. But you're not, are you? Not directly, anyways. You really just want to protect your daughter. But you know who is behind all of this, right? What? Calissa whips around and face Zink. You're too smart for your own good, kid. Orphis shakes his head. Thinking like that would get you killed. I'm not really smart, Zink snorts. I'm just really good at puzzle solving. Zink remembers all those years his dad sat him down with a puzzle to work on. He's good at fitting pieces together. Nothing more. I have to go. Orphis disconnects the video chat and Zink looks to Calissa. Her face seems sunken, like she's deep in thought. You really thought my father was behind it all? Calissa shakes her head. Zink shrugs. Yeah, yeah, he's suspicious as hell. Zink responds, and Calissa laughs. And I had a vision of him, though. It was, it backs up the earlier vision I had of him. He does want to use you. Zink pauses. He wants you to join a coven. I don't know, though. This whole coven thing sounds shady as fuck. Tell me about it. Calissa runs a hand through her hair. My father tells me no one can know he's alive, but there's a whole coven he's secretly trying to get me mixed up with. It makes no sense. Zink reflects on this comment. If Calissa is fine knowing Orphis is alive, and this coven is fine knowing Orphis is alive, then maybe Orphis wants Calissa to keep this secret for another reason. What if he doesn't trust your mother and grandmother? Zink suggests. The only thing you and this coven seem to have in common is the fact that he trusts you both. Calissa bites on her bottom lip. <clears throat> Calissa screams out. I don't even want to think about this anymore. Come on, Zink. Calissa stands. Let's go meet up with Leo. You go ahead. I'm going to the library. Zink wants to do some more research to see if his suspicions about Calissa are true. 
While Zink is at the library and Calista's headed to Leo's room, Chase is with Trevor and Mr. and Mrs. Cannon. Mrs. Cannon is sitting in the chair with her legs crossed, steadily working on her knitting, while Mr. Cannon is sitting on the edge of the window, just looking out. Man, I wish I could knit. Chase scratches the bottom of his chin. Nervous habit, Mrs. Cannon admits with a soft smile. Keeps my hands busy, which keeps my mind at peace. Otherwise, I would be pacing in a complete mess due to the stress. Sweet, Chase says to himself. When I get stressed out, I just eat my weight in food. Your waist seems much more productive. My sister says one day I'm going to get diabetes or something. As Chase makes small talk with the cannons, Trevor is trapped in a reoccurring nightmare within his own mind. There's a blindfold over his eyes, so he can't see anything. He feels metal clamping down on his wrists. His body feels drained, weak. He wants to move, but he can't, like he has no control over his own body functions anymore too tired. He hears voices talking, but they're muffled, like trying to hear someone speak while you're underwater. He feels someone grab his face and jerk his head back. They are talking to Trevor, but again, he can't hear. He feels himself respond back, but even his own voice is blurry and muddled. That's when he feels it, a hand at his throat. The voice is yelling something at Trevor's ear, but he can't hear. Trevor is scratching at the hand, biting it, and trying desperately to pull away. He struggles. He feels lightheaded. He blacks out. Wake up. He can hear a voice clearly now. It's telling him to get up, but it's too hard. What if the man comes back? What if he finishes Trevor off? No. He has to fight. Keep fighting. Hey, damn it, wake up. Chase yells for the fifth time as he gets punched in the face. You asshole. Trevor wakes up like a cliche. His back arches off the bed. He's sitting straight up and he's gasping for for breath, looking all alert. What happened? Trevor looks around the room to see nurses standing off to the side, covering their mouths. His parents are holding his legs while Chase is trying to hold his arms. You had an episode! Chase sneers. Punch me three times, you dick! He had a nightmare, it seems like. The doctor grabs a little light and shines it in Trevor's eyes, checking the pupils. Your pupils are a little dilated. Sorry. Trevor apologizes to Chase. He sees Chase scowl and can't help but let out a little chuckle. Chase holds his composure for a solid minute before chuckling and a smile of his own. How are you feeling? The doctor brings attention back to himself. Um, better, Trevor admits. He rubs at the back of his neck and moves to get more comfortable. I'm going to check your pulse and run some tests, the doctor states. Chase leaves out the room with Mr. and Mrs. Cannon. They wait in the hallway until they get the clay to go back in. Hey, the doctor said I can leave now. Trevor smiles. No need in keeping me overnight. He gave me a recovery potion. Oh, good. Mrs. Cannon kisses her son's head. Let's get you home. No. Trevor shakes his head. If that person is still after me, then he would easily kill you both to get to me. At least at school, there's more protection. I can't risk your lives like that, son. Mr. Cannon says sternly, this is non-negotiable. You almost died. 
We're not going to let you remain at this school any longer. Trevor almost screams he's so frustrated. Why can't his parents see that he just wants to keep them safe? I get that, Trevor counters. However, do you know what would happen if you two were killed to protect me? I would hate myself. I can't take the risk. I won't. Yes, I'm terrified. I'm so scared. But I have to stay here and fight. I have to stay where I have a better chance of surviving. That's... Mr. Cannon has cut off a Miss Cannon him giving him a serious look. As a compromise, Mrs. Cameron Cannon says slowly, you can stay as long as you truly go nowhere alone. And you have to up your power, do more trainings, and be more aware of your surroundings. I'm serious here. You need to learn fast defensive spells. Okay. Trevor nods. Okay. Chase slaps his friend in the back of the head. Say yes, ma'am. That's your mother. Mrs. Cannon stifles a laughter. Yes, ma'am. Trevor says to his mom. Okay, then. Mrs. Cannon gathers her knitting tools and puts them in her purse. We'll call it a day. Love you. And I want you to call once a day. Yeah, I love you, son. Mr. Cannon kisses Trevor on the side of the head. Love you both. Trevor waves off his parents and gets out of bed. Hey, bro. Can you help me change? I feel a little tired still. Your parents were just... <sighs> Chase glares and hus. Fine, I'll help you. But I, if I am helping you, put your pants on and your balls hit me in the face. So help me. Trevor laughs so hard he falls back onto the bed. Chase smiles to himself as he helps his friend get dressed. What Trevor re- needs right now is stability. Not for everyone to treat him like he's made of glass. Chase will continue to act the same way around his friend, all the while protecting him at the same time to the best of his ability. Chase isn't the strongest mage or the best with potions, but he has heart and he cares for Trevor like a brother. He'll never let his friend go through this alone again. Once out of the hospital, they head to their dorm where Chase orders loads of food for them both. After an hour, Abigail, Safrina, Leah, and Zink head over to make sure Trevor is okay. You need to eat more, Abigail fusses. I'm full, Abby, I swear. Trevor laughs as she tries to feed him another fry. She huffs and pulls it away, tears in her eyes. Don't scare us like that again, Abigail glares. I will walk with you to take a shit if I have to. Ew. Chase wrinkles his nose. I, uh, appreciate the sentiment, Abby. Trevor lets her know. I'm grateful for all of you. Hey, can you still not remember what happened? Zink questions. Trevor pauses, recalling his nightmare. No. Trevor can feel a slight tremor start in his left hand. And I appreciate if you would not actively try and get a vision off of me. I understand they come at random, so if you do get one, don't tell me about it. What are you saying? Lear frowns. You don't want to know what happened? What if you saw or heard something that can help catch who did it? Help save another life? I don't want to know. Trevor shouts without warning. It's not my responsibility to remember what happened, to save lives. I just want to forget that I almost died. He can feel a slight panic creep up in his spine. 
His body feels like it's going into overdrive and it's making it hard to breathe. Rude, Learsness, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard you say. He was just kidnapped and almost died. Chase deadpans, let him be selfish, damn. It didn't happen to you, Lee. Abigail glares. You don't get to push Trevor into doing something you but he doesn't want to do. If something bad happened to me, I would want my memory erased for good. Maybe this is for the best. Thank you, Trevor mumbles. Besides, if I get a vision that can help solve this, then I'll just tell Larson. Vink tells with a half shrug. Trevor doesn't have to know. <laughs> Lear pulls out her phone and texts her boyfriend, annoyed that no one agrees with her on the subject of Trevor. <sighs> Why aren't Calissa and Leo here? Safrina yawns. Uh, I'm sure they'll be coming soon, Zink to friends. Hey, maybe they're doing it. Chase makes rude gestures. Ew, don't be crude. Abigail pushes Chase's left shoulder. Oh, don't be a prude. Chase mocks her in her own voice. I'm going to spend time with Michael. Lear stands and leaves, slamming the door behind her. Oh, that rude bitch. Abigail shouts and grabs her purse before rushing out of the dorm as well. Oh, uh, we got to stop hanging out with girls. There's so much trouble. Chase groans. I'll cut you. Safrina warns, uh, no. Chase retracts in a panic. I meant, like, girls, girls. Like, those two. Oh. Safrina raises her brows. So now I'm not a girl. Then what am I? Uh. Chase trails off and Zink starts shaking his head. Dude, just stop. Zink pleads. Come and talk with me outside for a moment. Safrina stands and uses her head to gesture to the door. Chase wants to protest, but the way Safrina is smiling lets him know it would be wise to do as she says. Head slunk, he shuffles out of the door, falling right behind her. Hey, Trevor. Zink probes now that it's just the two of them. Can I try to get a vision? I promise not to tell you. Trevor hesitates and nods. Zink closes his eyes and grabs one of Trevor's hands as he thinks hard about finding the person responsible for doing this. Zink opens his eyes in surprise. For the first time in his life, he gets nothing but a blank white space, like something was erased. He's not able to get a vision, and he has no idea what that means.